Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Are aliens trying to influence us through advertising and movies? Where did Mothman come from? Do ghosts experience perpendicular time? Hello and welcome to the 971st edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you from WOON AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live on YouTube and via TuneIn.com. I'm Ben and that was Paul and today we bring you an open line show to answer all sorts of questions from listeners all over the place and we have a special guest co-host to help us out with all of these questions. Co-hosting with us via Skype today is the legendary Tim R. Swartz. Tim is an Emmy Award-winning television producer and videographer and is the author of a number of popular books. A well-known broadcaster, Tim has investigated unexplained phenomena all over the world has appeared widely in the media. So, Tim Schwartz, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Hey, guys. Thank you for uh, having me back. I'm uh, more than happy to be with you on the uh, 900 and 71st edition of Behind the Paranormal. That's wild. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll wait till a thousand show in June. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's, um, here's an interesting one. Let's start with uh, Phil. Phil was a show reporter for years. He's now in Savannah, Georgia. And Ben, why don't you take this one if you sure can. Sure thing. I can. Uh, and what we are going to talk about is from Phil. Uh, my intuition tells me Paul won't like this question, but here it goes. Huh. <laughs> uh, does your take on the infamous Annabelle doll that the Warrens had locked up in their... Or what is your take on the infamous Annabelle doll from, that, that the Warrens had locked up in their basement? Can a negative parasitical entity from the multiverse cause a plain doll to create so much chaos? Well, since I don't like the question, why don't you start with that, Tim? <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> You know, that's, I, I have experienced myself, um, just, you know, uh, items that appear to be haunted or at least have something going on around them. Uh, now as for the, the, the Annabelle doll, you know, at, at this point, it's it's so wrapped up in 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 hype and and different stories. It's hard to tell at this point, <laughs> you know, how much of it is actually true and how much of it has you know been been glommed on, you know, for for Hollywood and just just for giggles. Uh, but you know, I mean, I I do think that um, material objects can become a focal point. Uh, for uh, uh, paranormal activity, um, years ago, I had uh, I had a girlfriend that she had bought a um, a, a, a headboard uh, uh, for her bed. It was an antique headboard, and as soon as she brought that thing into her apartment, it was just like it it, beca- it became like Grand Central Station. For just all kinds of weird activities. I mean, you know, the uh, knocks on the wall, all of the traditional, you know, stuff, uh, 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 items disappearing. Uh, uh, she would, she started having uh, bad dreams uh, at night where she felt like that somebody was standing over her trying to strangle her. Now, 
when I was there, any time that I was there, nothing ever happened. But then again, I tend to be a negative whirlpool when it comes to <laughs> uh, clomping down on paranormal activity. But, I mean, you know, she was somebody that was never really a believer in this kind of stuff. But, um, you know, and as soon as... I, you know, I told her after a while, I said, well, you know, the only new thing in this place was this headboard, so let's just get rid of it. And as soon as we got rid of it, everything stopped. You know, at least that's what, that's what she told me. And I have no reason to disbelieve her. So, I mean, I, I do think that uh, uh, items that you wouldn't traditionally think of, of, of being a focal point for a paranormal activity can do so. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> All right, Ben? Well, it's it's an interesting question, um, <clears throat> if only to to kind of sort of understand that an environment kind of matters. You know, I I, I don't know if it's so much the object as it is the environment, right? So it's it's kind of like um, I, I want to think of it like a tide pool, right? So inside the pool, you could put things in it like like rocks or or you know different sort of things and maybe put a snail in there or you know a little hermit crab or or whatever. Well, Tim's from Indiana. I don't know if he knows about tide pools. Oh well. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever the Indiana equivalent of a tide pool is. Oh uh, no, I, I know what those are. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. <laughs> so, but I, I I I'm trying to think of that as a metaphor because I I think it's it's important to note that when an environment changes, of course, phenomena can can change. I, I would guess. I think it, it's we look for a a simple explanation, as in, aha, you know, a doll came in and the doll is haunted. When it's like, well, you know, the environment could have had something going on before it, and perhaps whatever was there before, you know, maybe if if you want to say it's an entity or the Hutchinson effect, whatever whatever you want to throw at that. You can say, all right, well, it, it picks up the doll and throws it around, and then things happen. I don't know if it's particularly the doll, you know, but I, I, it's it's something I don't know enough about because I think it's because I've never really experienced it. And the only sort of thing that I can kind of equate it to is sort of this, this like, Schrodinger's cat type thing where, you know, you walk into a, a space and you're like, there's going to be a ghost here. And then you look for anything to find ghost here. And so, you know, if you're saying my, my headboard is haunted, you look for things to say head headboard haunted. And so, you know, I would say the same thing with doll haunted. You know, it's, um, it's... It's one of it. I think I think that's kind of the the line of thinking that I'm I'm going in is you know you go in and you you expect to find something you're going to find something to confirm it you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, now in my case, I, I knew Annabelle very well. Uh, I knew her when. Did you have tea? Uh, <laughs> well, she wanted to, but I, I didn't have time. I was in a hurry. Uh, but the Annabelle, of course, being a Raggedy Ann doll. That the Warrens had locked up in in this this tunnel that went from their house to their art studio in a barn, and in the corner of the tunnel they had the the, the beginnings because I was working with them pretty early, the beginnings of their paranormal museum, and uh, of course the uh, Annabelle was at the center. There was a cross on the box, and it said "Do not open under any circumstances." What the heck is this? Uh, showmanship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, on the other hand, I, I, I never had anything happen to me because of Annabelle, 
But on the other hand, uh, and you and I haven't run into this a lot when we're working together, but before that, I would run into, quote, haunted objects, unquote. And my feeling on that, uh, looking from a viewpoint of quantum mechanics, is that you have consciousness waves. I remember the uh, haunted suit of armor in one of the Newport mansions. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I think that within this consciousness wave, which, now, what is that? Uh, picture uh, a, a long, an LP vinyl record. I think everybody knows what that is. And suppose there are lumps in it. Those lumps are the people and the things that you know and maybe love or don't like or whatever, but the people who are part of your consciousness. Now, when you take an object, and I've seen this happen, one of the wildest cases I ever dealt with is before your time, Ben, 1998, um, in Burrowville, Rhode Island, right in our listing area, they brought a little or innocent ordinary table that they got in an antique shop, put it in their house, and all hell broke loose. All right? And that we, I, we've had people come up to us after lectures and say, you know, I'm a healthcare professional or I'm a lawyer or something, you know, never believed in this stuff. And then this object came into my life and all hell broke loose, you know? And so I think that when the consciousness wave is involved and you bring an object that's been an important part of somebody else's consciousness wave, everything gets mixed up, tangled uh, up. Kind of like when they, when when airplanes get rebuilt with like old parts yeah. and crash planes. Yeah, I, I've talked to airline staff who said that when, you know, when uh, parts from crash planes are recycled, uh, weird stuff starts to happen on their aircraft. And I've heard that from all sorts of, of different things. So I think it's a matter of consciousness waves. And if a parasite is involved, as we would call it, uh, involved in, in uh, that same consciousness wave, and it gets mixed up with yours, there, there are going to be repercussions and echoes from that. And maybe the parasite, you know, being a multiversal creature might cross over. So here's a here's a follow up question. I'll direct it to either of you because now now I'm 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 thinking along the lines of like Jungian archetypes, right? Yeah. Um. So here is. So do you believe that that symbols, right? So let's say something like a a crucifix or you know um, a star or whatever. Do you believe that that has some sort of power in that sort of realm? Of, of consciousness waves, or is there some some sort of universal thing that makes a symbol powerful? I'm going to hurl that right at Tim. Hmm. You know, I I think it's more along the lines of if you believe it has uh, a power, then it 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 could. Um, but there's also the aspect that if you have uh, a large group of people who believe that uh, a symbol of some kind could have power, then I think that that also uh, could have uh, an, an effect. It's like the, uh, uh, it makes me think of um, the movie, The uh, um, um, uh, the Vampire Killers, and I'm missing the first uh, part of that title, uh, but uh, its subtitle was, Pardon Me, But Your Teeth Are In My Neck. And there's... <laughs> And there's a scene where um, this old uh, um, this old uh, 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 Jewish innkeeper has been made a vampire, 
and he's getting ready to attack uh, uh, his uh, female servant, and she brings out a cross, and he laughs at her, and he says, Oi, if you got the wrong kind of vampire. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think that uh, that may have a lot to uh, to do with it. If you, you know, if you actually do believe that, that something is going to work, that, that does give it uh, a, a power somehow, you know, possibly... As uh, uh, um, you know, Paul was saying, you know, within the uh, the realm of, uh, of quantum physics. Uh, but I also I, I wanted to uh, ask a question as well. Does would this also include when it comes to uh, replacing parts the phenomena people have experienced who have had organ transplants, where they'll suddenly find themselves. Um, having the same interest as the person who donated, uh, you know, the organ, kidneys, or, you know, whatever, uh, uh, suddenly develop a, an enjoyment of foods that they didn't like before, but they find out later that the person who donated the organ, you know, liked. So, I mean, uh, you know, this this could go on to, you know, several different uh, aspects. Oh, yeah. We did a whole show on that with Marcus Loth, the uh, British researcher who had, and it was, it's absolutely fascinating when you, when you look at those. It doesn't happen every time there's an organ transplant, mm-hmm. but very often, uh, all kinds of interesting, uh, mixed up consciousnesses or whatever, or blended consciousnesses, consciousnesses occur. Um, now on the issue of, um, uh, I guess Ben's question, uh, I agree with you, Tim. I think it's, um, uh, very much, um, as you said. So, uh, well, you can leave it at that and move on to the next question. But uh, I think it's uh, an idea that uh, we share. Consciousness is shared. You know, we're not islands. So here's from our good friend Peter Shelley in Bogota, Colombia. Sure thing. For something completely different. And now time for something completely different. <laughs> Explosion sound. Um, hi, Paul, uh, from Peter. Does anyone have uh, information or stories of possible paranormal phenomena in connection to the JFK assassination? For example, I have uh, read reports that celebrities such as Red Skelton and Telly Savalas uh, claimed premonitions of the event. Tim, yeah, this is uh, uh, this is this is a great uh, story, and you know there, boy, there used to be a lot more of them out there. Uh, but I think that as time goes by, these these uh, these stories tend to disappear. And I think that um, the one that he is thinking about the most is uh, the one that happened to uh, Red Skelton, who, uh, by the way, is a uh, Indiana boy or was an Indiana boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, this. Um, I know I ran across this story first in one of John Keel's books. I think it was uh, Our Haunted Planet. Don't quote me on that, but I think that was, that was the one. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of people have, uh, you know, after that kind of uh, you know, tried to debunk it. But uh, under uh, a number of interviews, Red Skelton did confirm that this happened. And he said that... Um, during the, and you know, I'm, I'm looking at my my files that I collected uh, for this. Uh, Red Skelton told the National Enquirer, and you have to remember that uh, uh, the National Enquirer used to be uh, 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 
a journal, you know, uh, even though it was considered a tab- tabloid uh, 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 newspaper, they vetted all of their information extremely well. Uh, they were very conscious on uh, not publishing anything that was false since they dealt a lot with celebrities, so they wanted to make sure that everything that they said was uh, uh, was accurate. But Red Skelton said that during the 1962-63 TV season that he had taken a vacation um, on the uh, 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 in, in Hawaii, and he said that uh, he always carried a notebook with him just in case, you know, something funny would hit him and he could write it down. He said that he was lying on the beach one day, and he said he was neither awake or asleep. And uh, uh, he had his eyes closed, and uh, he said that uh, uh, he had his notebook with him, and his, in his one hand he had his pencil with him, and just kind of uh, lazing away. And he said that when he kind of came out of this, to his surprise, he saw that he had written, even though he didn't remember writing this, President Kennedy will be killed in November. And and that was it. And he said that uh, the the handwriting uh, uh, was his handwriting, and uh, naturally it, it then came true on on November twenty uh, second. Skelton said, "I've still got that page, and every time I come across it, I wonder about it because how it happened, I still don't know." Yeah, that, so that, that's that's probably the best the best known one. Yeah, because what one hears all sorts of. Uh, Stories like that, I'm not really familiar. I remember where I was that day. I'm sure you do too, Tim. Um, I was pretty small then. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I so think I do, you're I do uh, remember, yeah. a little younger than I am, but yeah. Where were you? I was riding with your grandma down Main Street of East Hartford, Connecticut, when it came over the radio. I was um, 10 years old. Mm. So, and she started to cry. So, anyway, not a good day for the country. I don't think we've gone downhill since. Uh, (laughs) Nevertheless, let's go to Facebook. And um, one from Stephen in Perth, Western Australia. Sure thing. Stephen from Perth writes to us. uh, This is regarding our October 23rd show on UFOs and advertising. Uh, does that mean they are here already and trying to influence, uh, influence us via advertising imagery? Shock, horror, uh, does anyone remember E.T. and Close Encounter movies? Okay, well, we certainly remember the films. Uh, the show was with Peter Robbins that day. It's available on iTunes, etc., and at BehindTheParanormal.com in the archives. A very interesting show uh, where the, the Peter had it was sort of reserved judgment on whether... Uh, the corporate world or the government is trying to get people sort of used to the idea of UFOs. Uh, well, what say you on that, Tim? Uh, I don't know if aliens are directly influencing us through uh, the uh, TV ads on the uh, prime time, but uh, what say you? Well, I mean, this is something that has been talked about for, gosh, I mean, you know, probably since, uh, uh, you know, Kenneth Arnold saw, you know, something flying around in uh, the state of Washington. Uh, you know, it, I think that, um, whether or not it was deliberate, there does seem to be, uh, uh, you know, since that time, and boy, you know, I mean, I remember, you know, growing up, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, 
uh, always had lots of outer space themes with, uh, you know, silly or friendly uh, aliens, and it just it just seemed to uh, you know increase from that point, and uh, it it's I think it's led now to uh, the idea of, of the reality of extraterrestrials um, really being taken as a matter of fact. Uh, because of that pop influence, you know, I mean, not only did you have like Saturday morning cartoons, you know, you had, uh, you know, movies and television movies and, you know, uh, television commercials as well that features uh, uh, UFOs landing with uh, aliens and, you know, popping a, a popular soda and drinking it in front of the witnesses and then, you know, flying away and things like that. And, uh, uh Again, whether or not this was something that was deliberate, which I doubt. I mean, it's you know, it's 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 a great story, but I don't I don't think that the UFO mystery has has managed the reality of it has managed to get out into corporate America or or really even the government who's trying to influence corporate America than to influence the the the, the public. But I do think though that because of these pop culture references that the the whole scenario that you know used to be written about about the uh, the government government afraid to reveal the reality of UFOs because people would then you know like panic and take to the streets and burn things down uh, uh probably wouldn't happen just because we've been so conditioned at this point uh, 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 from all this pop culture reference to accept the idea that we're not alone in the universe and there could be a good possibility that uh, that they're visiting us. Again, whether or not it's deliberate or not, I doubt it. Mm. Ben? I remember specifically from that show, I, I wrote down a note <clears throat> that the... I remembered it because I thought it was important. I didn't get a chance to bring it up. Um was that the there was a really a really big theme in the advertising that they would use this UFO imagery um, in in a couple of different really one major vein anything in like you know um, more developed countries it was all based on technology that was the big theme was that you know power companies cars speakers there were a lot of audio companies that, <laughs> that used them <laughs> and uh, and I thought that was kind of funny but but it was interesting because the the ideas of it it was like it, it's it's what I think it's what people think of as the future right you know we 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 think of technological advancement and when we say advanced species we mean technologically advanced and so this evocative imagery of, of UFOs, of being these technologically advanced things, buy this speaker, <laughs> buy this car, and for whatever reason it was Audi, Audi of like Europe, that <laughs> was all about that, and I, and it's it's the way of the future, and and that was sort of the whole thing, was that major theme of you know technology and this way towards the future and and sort of transcending into a technological space and um i think that's really important because taking a step back of of understanding symbols it's not exclusive to religion it is also in our realm 
of the paranormal, and especially depending on who you talk to and, and how they view sort of the mythology of the paranormal. In other words, the greater story that we're all a part of, especially investigating the fringes of, of reality, yeah? And so the idea of UFOs, especially nowadays, has changed ever so slightly because of a, I, I wanna, I wanna say that it's a reaction to, you know, hypermaterialism. Instead of nuts and bolts craft, you know, there's this idea of it being completely intuitive, right? So it's, it's all about the spiritual. And so this idea of technology leading to a, a, either a spiritual revival or B, you know, leading us to the future technologically, or some sort of a weird mesh of like, uh, of the two, right? Like the ghost and the machine type thing. It's, um, I think the, the idea of it in advertising is, is not really pointing us to, um, oh, they're here among us, you know, this is like a trick for, you know, um, uh, disclosure. I, I think it's, it's more of this trying to understand this portion of our, our reality and taking the symbol of, uh, something that's, that's outside other that we perceive as the way of the future and integrating it into technology makes sense to me you know yeah. it's not so I, because the the point that that steven does make i i read this incorrectly and i do apologize steven um does anyone not remember et and close encounters movies and it, along that same that same vein it's not really shocking in horror because you know you had war of the worlds you had all these other things and you know it's not really a stretch of the imagination that it would go into advertising but i i think it's a different dimension because those are movies, right? You're there to watch. It's there to entertain. You know, you're there to sympathize or or sort of see from the point of view of the main character. Um, but with with advertising, that's aimed directly at you. You know, you're not you're not participating in a movie, right? You're not you're not trying to put yourself in the character's shoes. This is something that's directed at you, and it's directing you in a certain direction to buy something, to move in a direction. Well, I, I think too, just uh, the the advertising exposition in those two films was pretty striking. Uh, certainly, the um, Budweiser Clydesdales were front and center before uh, you know the guy Roy sees the uh, Devil's Tower and the Close Encounters mm-hmm. and all this sort of thing. And uh, <clears throat> the, the, that was everything to. The Piggly Wiggly supermarkets, mm, the pig uh, from the south, yeah, the the pig as your southern cousins call it. Uh, so anyway, you, you can see his point there. But if anyone wants to, we're going to take our break. But if anyone wants to see that show with Peter Robbins on UFO uh, imagery and advertising, uh, October twenty third, show nine sixty eight. Uh, you can find it in the archives, and it's on iTunes and all those different things. And um, there is on our page, because uh, it's difficult to do, uh, it was sort of illustration heavy. Mm. That's hard to do on the radio, but we have a page on our website. That's what color commentary is for. Yeah, the, the talking points page. And the, the one that struck me was the one with the uh, the lady and the little flying saucer coming back from the market with oh, the dog and the daughter. Power, it was a power company. That's what the ad was for. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, support the electrical industry, we'll give you flying cars. But uh, it just that we always I mean, maybe you did too, Tim. When we were kids, we thought everybody and I didn't think ahead to the 21st century that much, but we'd all be in flying cars. But the wild impracticability, you know, wildly impractical nature of that, 
is either but that's a pilot's license and all this stuff. So what the power company was thinking of, I don't know. So anyway, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our special guest co-host, Tim Swartz, today on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's wet Blackstone Valley. And we'll be right back. There is nothing like the beauty of a little holiday tree to liven up the holidays. Join us at the St. Anton Cultural Center for its annual Trimmer Tree classes on Wednesday, November 30th at 1 p.m. or 6 p.m. Create and decorate your very own tabletop boxwood tree. This popular event sells out every year. A light meal is included. Private classes are available for groups of 15 or more. For tickets or additional information, visit Vos True Value Hardware or the St. Anarchton Cultural Center website. You can depend on us for public service, Owen Radio. And it's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WONAM and FM. And welcome back. And we also have our great guest co-host today, our good friend, Tim Swartz. So let's take our next question, Ben. Yes, uh, we can go to, the, this one's a bit long, but we still have time, so let's, let's get right into it. Um, so Jacob from Michigan writes to us, What is the Mothman? Is it possible that human negativity could create such a creature? And there's follow-up questions to this, but I guess we'll just take one, one at a time. Okay. Uh, Timmy, want to fly off with that one? Oh, wow. <laughs> what is Mothman? Well, uh, sheesh. Uh, and, and I and I know I don't have to go and explain to you know, your audience the whole Mothman <laughs> mythology, right? Uh, but um, um, yeah, that's that's really the uh, uh, the billion dollar question. I suppose that's also that's right up there along the lines of uh, you know what are UFOs or what are ghosts? Um, yeah. <clears throat> You know, it's it, it's 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 one of those things that you know we were talking earlier about um, objects as symbols and whether or not they have have power or not, and I and I think that that Mothman has kind of become something along those lines because you know it it just didn't appear in West Virginia. In you know sixty seven sixty eight and and then disappear. Um, it's uh, the Mothman has has cropped up at uh, other locations allegedly. Uh, you know currently it's it's still being seen around the uh, uh, the region uh, in you know, Chicago and Indiana and and, and Wisconsin. Um, you know some people believe that it is a harbinger. A, uh, a an entity kind of like a banshee almost that would uh, uh, appear as almost like a premonition to uh, something you know bad that's going to happen in the future. You know, well, you know, fortunately, uh, the Mothman sightings in the uh, Chicago area so far, knock wood, <laughs> you know, nothing nothing has has happened. Um, uh, uh, but again, you know, it, it it makes you wonder whether or not it's a situation where you know people will have a, a bizarre experience, and then you know the 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 human mind and the, the the collective consciousness then starts piling on that and causing 
more appearances to happen. Uh, you know, be, because you know, once that that collective consciousness starts accepting that something could be real, then surprising enough, you 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 have more sightings under you know in in various locations. You know. Uh, why West Virginia? Why the Chicago area? Why other locations? I mean, you know, that's that's one of the great mysteries. That you know, that's why we do do shows like this. Um, and and it could be something just as simple as you know, like we've talked about, you know, uh, 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 Paul's idea that you know you're you're seeing something that is intruding. Upon our reality, for from some other reality, uh, for uh, for for whatever reason. I mean, you know, I I, I tend to, you know, uh, mull about the idea that there are areas that you know there are window areas that uh, you know the the fabric of reality is thin at times, and that these kinds of things can intrude. Um, you know, but but again, why Mothman? Yeah, you might as well you might as well ask why Bigfoot or Dogman or anything you know any of the other you know thousands of cryptid creatures that you see you know I I think that Mothman has kind of become you know an archetype so to speak and that uh, you know people see the you know like two red eyes glowing in the dark and you know maybe your mind then uh, 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 puts a body around those red eyes. Uh, you know, maybe somebody who hasn't heard of Mothman would instead see, you know, like a Bigfoot or a Dogman or or a fairy or a brownie, depending on you know what your cultural beliefs and expect- expectations are. Yeah, I agree uh, pretty much with that. But uh, I always uh, think back on the media um, wanting to call it Batman. In 1966, yeah. but they were afraid of a giant lawsuit because uh, <laughs> the show with Adam West was about to begin, and it uh, became Mothman. Uh, ben, um, I, I do think that that's an interesting idea that you know that that Mothman is is sort of this this consciousness construct. Um, but I, I don't know about that. I, I I think it's it's interesting that it sort of coincides with Legends of the Thunderbird as well. Um, essentially as like a, a, a Native American harbinger of doom or major events or something like that. I, I think, this, this is a point I wanted to make earlier, but I'll make it now, that there's there's all these sort of parallel, I'm going to say parallel, there's sort of these universal stories we all sort of tell each other and they pop up in every culture. And I, I think we as good modern Americans and and modern people in general, we don't have any accommodation for these things except for the paranormal. So it's so we we try to figure these things out. So we're like, I guess Mothman. That's that's it. That's what you get is is Mothman. And he, he pops up and he chases teenagers in cars and steals Bandit the dog and <laughs> and does all these things. And it's it's uh, it's. It's it's just the stories that we we made out of out of something that's happened before in in history. None of these things are new, so it's it's definitely it's definitely one of those things that I don't know if we're ever going to get a solid answer on. But I, I guess my sort of method is understanding s- similar stories that have popped up throughout you know at least in in, in the American American history. There's also another another sort of little. I don't know how true it is, tale that there were sightings of Mothman during the Chernobyl disaster, 
Um, I don't know if that's if that's real or not. You know, the, yeah, since, mo- most of, since most of the survivors are no longer with us, unfortunately, you can't really ask. And plus, it's like you know, you're you the plumes of smoke. Of course, you're going to see dark things flying around there. Uh, you know, so it's it, it's it's just I don't know. It, it's one of those things that we're we're probably never going to get a solid answer on. But the uh, Jacob goes on to to continue his question with. Um, I've I've heard people I've heard you you talk about people that have had good experiences with Mothman, which you know we we mentioned. Is there more than one Mothman? <coughs> is is his follow up question? And what are the latest sightings? Well, um, you two fellows covered the, uh, the previous question very well. Uh, yeah, we we've had several of those guests on the show who said that they uh, they're in the minority. But uh, one fellow said that uh, he had um, encountered, he and his family encountered Mothman uh, on the road. They lived in the area of Point Pleasant. And all of a sudden, like a day later, he was really good at math and developed musical talent that he hadn't had before, things like this, and he credited Mothman with it. And he said he's still in touch with Mothman, whatever it is. So, And then other people have said they've had positive experience. There was one healing that, that supposedly occurred. So uh, I guess, you know, there's two sides of the coin with all this stuff. Mm. And as we say, maybe if you bring a positive attitude to it, you'll, you'll have a positive experience uh, with many kinds of paranormal events, unless that's a really negative situation. So I don't know. Uh, Tim? Well, you know, that reminds me now, this wasn't... This wasn't a Mothman, but it, it was close. And this happened in uh, uh, near near Dayton, Ohio, um, where uh, this this family they were uh, in the middle of the night driving down this road, and uh, suddenly in their headlights there was a giant bird, and they said it looked like a a vulture or, or a buzzard. Uh, uh, except that it was as tall as a man. They said this thing was huge. It was standing in the middle of the road, and uh, when they caught it in their headlights, it suddenly uh, uh, threw its wings out, and they said that its wings were so wide that it it completely covered uh, uh, the width of this this country road, and then it, it took off and flew away. Well, of course, they slowed down, and and stopped to see what was going on, and it was a good thing that they did, because just around the corner uh, a bridge had collapsed. Oh wow! Uh, there had been a lot of heavy rain that night, and uh, this this small bridge, you know, over this it was it was just a creek, but it was swollen at this point had been washed away, and if they had continued on at the uh, the, the the speed that they had been going, they just would have plunged right into this creek. But somehow, this was like, you know, rather than being a harbinger of doom, it was a warning. Yeah, but these synchronicities are really amazing. Ben? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think that that's, that that's really, I think that, that, that harkens back to, the, to, to what I, I was saying about Thunderbirds, because it's, it's, it's similar to that. And I, I, I also kind of thought, I don't know why this just occurred to me, there was someone, I forget who said it, that their their theory was, well, maybe Mothman's, you know, a robot. <laughs> because well, of, because of the self-luminous eyes. That, right, because of the self-luminous eyes and the fact that it doesn't make any noise and it doesn't really flap its wings, it just kind of extends them and then lifts up. 
Yeah, kind of like a Buzz Lightyear. Or yeah, sort of like a like a like a Buzz Lightyear <laughs> type thing, and and just kind of like lifts its its wings and sort of you know noiselessly you know levitates off the ground and disappears. But you know that that's neither here nor there. I, I think it's it's uh, based a lot on. Um, by who experiences it, I think, and so we, yeah. we we do we do our best to kind of describe what we're seeing, and so you know a weird owl like thing, you know I've heard I've heard descriptions like that that it kind of, it's kind of like an owl because there's no neck and it's just kind of like a hump or like with like shoulders and like eyes right there, and so I I think it's we're we're doing our best to describe it, you know, with what with what little we have, yeah. So, so I mean you you know I uh, I I'd, I I guess. Really, that's all I can really say about Mothman, unfortunately. Okay, well, uh, I remember we, we went down to Alabama to speak uh, some years ago. We stopped at the Mothman Museum in Point Pleasant. That was a highlight of your trip. That was a lot of fun. I did really like that. Yeah. It was kind of kitschy. It was kind of fun. It was like, yeah, 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 it was nice. We didn't get to meet Jeff Wamsley, though. He wasn't available that Sadly. day, unfortunately. However, he's been on the show. Anything else from Jacob there? Uh, no, that is that is the end of Jacob's oh, okay. line of questioning. Well, let, let's take a moment now for Tim to tell us about himself and his books, some of which we're in, and uh, <laughs> all the fun stuff you've been doing and what's cooking. Oh, well, um, you know, as, as, as always... Um, we're we're trying to continue the legacy of, of Mr. Timothy Greenbeckley yep, by friend. yeah by by uh, producing books that um, I think that uh, that he'd be happy to 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 do himself. Uh, uh, you know, we uh, this year we we put out two books that we were actually working with Tim to put together before he passed away. Uh, uh, because that that was the way that Tim worked. He usually had about five or six books, um, all you know, in various degrees of of preparation. And uh, so when he passed away, we had at least you know two or three you know uh, in that in that progress. And uh, uh, earlier, uh, just uh, really last uh, last month, we uh, finished a book that. Tim wanted to do, but really hadn't gotten very far along at all. But we we, we got some people together. Myself, Sean Castile, um, uh, Scott Corrales, Nigel Watson from the UK, and oh, yeah. uh, and our book is is it's called Alien Artifacts, and it deals with um, this the, the 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 whole controversy of of people finding you know like uh, allegedly bits and pieces of of ufos or 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 what have you and of course alien artifacts doesn't necessarily mean you know little mangled pieces of 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 metal uh uh, it, it it could be you know physical injuries it could be people who supposedly caught some kind of virus you know after uh uh investigating the ufo site uh, and and then you know uh, passing away uh, things like that. So that that book is now uh, uh, currently out on Amazon as both a uh, uh, an ebook and as a print book. And and uh, I'm I'm really pleased with the way that that came out. And I think Tim Beckley uh, would have been happy. Uh, oh, I'm sure he well. would. Well, he he said he had uh, on any any given month the average of about three books <laughs> that he would publish. Uh, through um, uh, global communications. Now we, we um, have done many shows over the year with Tim Beckley, and certainly with, with Tim Swartz. 
and I, I, both of us have been on, were on their show many, many times. I get confused which Tim was which. And uh, so I uh, urge you to go back through the archives at BehindTheParanormal.com. We, we did a tribute uh, show to uh, Tim Mooney passed last year. So it was, um, we've had a lot of fun with Tim over the years. So we, we really, uh, there, there are no goodbyes. You know, we, we miss him, but he's, he's still with us. You know, we're still with him. Anyway, uh, what do we have next there, Ben? I think we have time for one more. We do, and uh, I, I, I kind of want to bring up this one question from Leanne in Creston, Ohio, in Creston, Iowa, I should say. And she says, I'd like to ask Tim Schwartz about his most recent investigations. There you go. Oh, goodness. Well, um, uh, and, and again, we'll, we'll go back to uh, the, the book we just uh, came out called uh, Alien Artifacts. And uh, that that was one that um, uh, you know myself. I took a lot of time, you know, looking into um, a lot of these stories that we have seen circulated over the years uh, about the, the the physical reality of the UFO phenomena. And and when we say the physical reality, we mean that uh, you know things that have been left behind. Uh, uh, because of that, and, you know, one of my favorite stories, and, and I, I'm sure it's been discussed on, on this show before, and this was a favorite story of, of, of Tim Beckley, so I had to include it, was the uh, Joe Simonton uh, uh, story, where, I mean, this guy uh, uh, from Wisconsin, and he was a farmer, uh, he was a plumber, you know, well-known throughout the community, as you know, just a just a stand-up guy, and you know nothing you know weird or strange about him. But he claimed that uh, uh, one morning that this UFO landed in his backyard, and when he went to investigate it, uh, a hatch opened, and there were some you know like little guys inside that he said uh, he said they looked Italian to him because they kind of had like light brown. Uh, a skin, maybe with a you know, slight olive uh, uh, complexion to them. One of them handed Joe a jug and indicated through pantomime that uh, they wanted him to fill it with water, which he did, you know. And uh, when he gave the jug back, he noticed that on the other side of this this room inside this uh, this this UFO, there was uh, one of the occupants looked like that they were grilling something on a little grill that that, that looked like pancakes. So he indicated that you know he wanted uh, he wanted some of those, and they handed him about four of them, and then they closed the hatch and the, and the ship flew away. Well, I mean, uh, uh, J. Allen Hynek in the Air Force actually came out and investigated this case and uh, uh, took uh, at least one, maybe two of these uh, pancakes to have them uh, uh, sampled. You know, it turned out that the uh, the ingredients were very terrestrial. Uh, I think it was like, you know, buckwheat flour is what the, the main ingredient was. And Joe said that he tried one and that it tasted like cardboard to him. Oh. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's the kind of stories that uh, that we were looking at, you know, in this book. I mean, they, they, they seem to be just overly bizarre yet from people who really have no axe to grind, you know, no reason to make up a story like this, and then left with physical evidence. But one of the main points of this book is that practically all of the samples that have been collected that allegedly have been associated with uh, UFO activity tend to have um, very earthly origins. 
even though they're found under very mysterious circumstances. So that's one of the great mysteries ab- uh, about all of this is that uh, you know we have evidence left behind, but this evidence tends to not, at least as far as we know, have a, an extraterrestrial origin to them. That's really fascinating. I can't wait to see the book. Uh, somehow I never thought of buckwheat pancakes as being alien artifacts, but I never liked them, so maybe you know, I'll, I'll take that. Um, <laughs> just... Uh, one in one of our own cases, there's been a relatively recent development. This is the, uh, and you know our, our listeners, uh, we work on cases for years, and this is the Pennsylvania Triangle case. Uh, just north of Clearfield County, uh, there is an area that we we feel that the envelope of this case has extended to, and uh, there, as a matter of fact, uh, it was a, quite an amazing uh, synchronicity. Tim Beckley would have loved it. Uh, we were approached about this case uh, by the person who had some very strange photographs taken by a security camera, and uh, he it so happened he was going to be in Rhode Island the following weekend from Pennsylvania. And uh, I said, "Do you realize we're we're like 12 miles from where you're going to be?" And so he came to the studio. He didn't participate in the show, but he sat uh, and listened. And we we went to lunch later. But um, there has since he was a very, very uh, no nonsense sort of fellow who was uh, had been involved professionally with photography, and he uh, later was able to duplicate uh, these images with reflections and, st- and stuff like that. But we still there is stuff going on in the area, and we're still keeping an eye on that. Uh, so that wasn't the question. There was about your cases, Tim. I'm sorry. But uh, stepping on the lines here. So uh, what else are you working on? Well, right now we are, uh, myself and Sean Castile, are, we're just in the beginning stages of working on a book that deals with um, mimics of man. Uh, that that's kind of our that's you know kind of our work working thesis of this and you know when it comes to not only the whole UFO phenomena but a lot of of, of, of paranormal experiences deal with um, humanoid types of whatevers that that look human but probably aren't uh, you know, the 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 early contactee movement in, in the 50s especially there was a lot of talk going around not only with these you know alleged contactees uh, but I guess among officials as well that there was this fear that if we were being visited by human looking extraterrestrials that they were infiltrating uh, uh, humanity that they were uh, putting themselves in positions of you know business politics or or, or what have you so you know uh, we're kind of taking that idea and and running with it but not like I said not just uh, uh, dealing entirely um, with the UFO phenomena you know there's a lot of, of, of 
paranormal or cryptid types of uh, experiences where people will run across something that that looks human at first, but then you know obviously you know isn't. So like I said, you know we're just in the very beginning stages of of working on this book and starting to collect you know stories and and, and information. But I'm really excited about it. I mean, you know, I think this is a subject that uh, you know it's it's been with us for you know probably since the beginning of mankind uh but uh i don't think it's really has been addressed too much no it hasn't that's a really terrific idea i can't wait to see that one and we'll have you on and probably sean with you to talk about that uh one socket rhode island here where we broadcast from is um not only uh, a center of uh, politics that is bizarre even for rhode island but it has a history of such humanoid sightings uh, particularly in the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. and our good friend uh, uh, Joe Ferrier, who was uh, on this station once with Tim Beckley in 1965, uh, in Tim's early days, was um, well known for having some contact. He was a matter of fact, he's in the the book uh, Tim's book, the uh, uh, UFO Repeaters, mm-hmm. uh, as a contactee, and he never talked much about that, but he came on our show once. Uh, about a year before he died, and or two, and and talked about that for the first time in public, and um, so uh, there was a, a, a humanoid by the name of uh, Romar Bolak, supposedly who would turn up here in this area, and uh, uh, there were UFO sightings, and, and Joe got some spectacular photographs, that sort of thing. So we're familiar with it, with that whole thing, and uh, we can't wait to see the book. Okay, so we're coming down to the wire here, and um, why don't we take away our announcements? Sure thing. Uh, crazy drivers going by. Yeah, you, well, <laughs> hey, you know, it's it's Sunday. It's it's yeah. it's, just, it's just something that kind of happens, and we we get used to it, and we 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 move forward. And so we're marching forward. So speaking of something completely different, uh, we announce with great fascination that Shane Searway, a longtime guest co-host on this show and a colleague of mine for nearly 25 years, has been elected to the New Hampshire House of Representatives. Good luck and well done, Shane. It's not something we get to say every day. So anyway, uh, Tim, we already found out what's happening with you. And uh, is there a website people can go to? Sure. You can visit my website at uh, conspiracyjournal.com. I'll say that again, conspiracyjournal.com, where you'll find all the uh, weird news and information that they don't want you to know. Uh-huh. Must be popular <laughs> these days. Okay, and uh, you got a line next, Tim. I'm sorry? Oh, that's all right. We'll, we'll do it. Uh, so look for us at the uh, New England Parafest in Kittery, Maine. Uh, April 22nd and 23rd, 2023. Uh, that event will kick off the week before that on this show on April 16th when the event headliners will appear with us. And we'll be at the Para Expo 2023 aboard the USS Salem in Quincy, Massachusetts, May 19th and 21st. We'll be among the speakers and we'll broadcast live from the ship Sunday, May 21st. And you can visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find over 1,100 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on WON, AM, and FM. Also, you can hear many of these broadcasts from all major podcast platforms. That includes uh, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify. And download our show app. It's free at the Behind the Paranormal main 
homepage there behind the paranormal.com. And it's free. It doesn't do a lot, but it'll give you links to all our recorded shows back, uh, several hundred of them anyway. And our website also has a charity page uh, with links to several good causes we have adopted, uh, including Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Mass., USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, my favorite, Helping Haiti's Orphans, and several others. So what's going on next week, Ben? So next week, that's uh, November 20th, uh, in his first appearance on the show in 11 years, we'll, have, we'll welcome Michael Cremo for a discussion of forbidden archaeology and alternate history. I want to find out who's forbidding it. <clears throat> yeah. We leave you today with a thought from the French-German theologian and Renaissance man Albert Schweitzer. As we acquire more knowledge, things do not become more comprehensible, but more mysterious. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Tim Swartz. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of... Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.